Today I continue my teaching series on the seven sacraments with a few words on the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist. And i got to say, I struggled with what to say today because the Eucharist is everything, right? Um, and I need to be kind of brief. I don't want to keep you here for six hours, right? Um, it is Jesus Christ himself. It is the reason the Catholic Church exists. It's the reason the church doesn't fall apart, break apart. It's the principle of unity that holds it together. The Eucharist is the most important thing in my life. It's the reason Catholic priests exist. And in trying to figure out what to say about the many possibilities, you know, I could have talked about the biblical basis for it and who should receive communion and when and, and uh, you know, the, Lord, the Last Supper, how that foreshadows the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. I mean, I could have gone through many things. But to be brief, I kept coming back to the fact that in the Eucharist, in Holy Communion at Catholic Mass, Jesus is actually physically present. In teaching on the sacraments, I've mentioned repeatedly that all of the sacraments bring about the reality that they represent. And in the case of the Eucharist, the bread and wine that will be brought forward in a few minutes, well, these symbolize the body and blood of Jesus. But they do more than symbolize the body and blood of Jesus. Because this is a sacrament. The sacraments work. They do what they represent. They make the reality they represent symbolically truly present. It's more than a symbol. These, the body or the bread and the wine, become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And I just want to point out that that is an objective reality. It's not something that depends upon my own personal faith or my own worthiness as a minister. It doesn't depend upon your personal faith, as the Lutherans, uh, as I understand it, believe. It's an objective reality. When a validly ordained Catholic priest, and Catholic priests are the only ones given this power by God, when a validly ordained Catholic priest takes bread and wine and says those words of consecration over them, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood, speaking in the person of Jesus, the miracle of transubstantiation occurs. It's as in Genesis when God says, let there be light, the words of God have power. The words of God spoken through the priest likewise have power to change reality. This is my body. This is the chalice of my blood. And so it is. Most Catholics, though, don't believe that. Now, my hope is that those of you who actually come to Mass, you know, that, that you do believe this. And I spoke about this at length in Ju July and August when we went through the Bread of Life discourse. But I just saw, again, a statistic this one claiming that only 26% of Catholics under 40 in the United States believe that Jesus Christ is really present in the Eucharist. Hence why I'm mentioning it again for us here. Many people think the Eucharist is just a symbol of Jesus' body and blood. Apparently that's what many Catholics think. And I know it is what most Protestants and Evangelicals, with various nuances and caveats there, it's what they claim it's what they think is the reality. And this made me think then <clears throat> of the Catholic author, Flannery O'Connor, 
Some of you may have heard this story, but she recounted that once she was visiting with a friend of hers or, or an acquaintance who was fallen away from the Catholic faith. They grew up Catholic, but uh, fell away. So she was visiting with this person and with some other people that were big intellectuals, she called them. They were very uh, smart, so she was very intimidated in this gathering, so much so she didn't dare say a word. She wrote the following about that visit. The conversation turned on the Eucharist, which I, being the Catholic, was obviously supposed to defend. Mrs. Broadwater, fallen away Catholic, said when she was a child and received the host, Holy Communion, she thought of it as a symbol and implied that it was a pretty good one. I then said in a very shaky voice, well, if it's a symbol, to hell with it. That was all the defense I was capable of, but I realize now that this is all I will ever be able to say about it, except that it is the center of existence for me. All the rest of life is expendable. Wow. She does not think it's just a symbol. In fact, if it is just a symbol, well, then the Catholic Church is wrong and has been wrong since the day Jesus Christ founded the church. But the church isn't wrong. Flannery O'Connor got it. This awesome, and I do mean that in the real sense of the word, inspiring awe, this awesome reality of Jesus' presence in the Eucharist, this is no symbol. This is how Jesus Christ chooses to be present physically in the world now. Now, when I say that, you know, that where is Jesus? Well, he's right here, right? Some people might say, well, God is everywhere. They're going to object. And it's true that God is everywhere, in a way. The Catechism explains this. It says, Christ Jesus is present in many ways to his church, in his word, in his church's prayer, where two or three are gathered in my name, in the poor, the sick, and the imprisoned, in the sacraments of which he is the author, in the sacrifice of the Mass, and in the person of the minister. But... He is present, most especially, in the Eucharistic species. Catechism continues to say, In the most blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, the body and blood, together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the whole Christ, is truly, really, and substantially contained. This presence is called real, by which is not intended to exclude the other types of presence, as if they could not be real, but because it is presence in the fullest sense. That is to say, it is a substantial presence by which Christ, God and man, makes himself holy and entirely present. Catechism continues, saying, The Council of Trent summarizes the Catholic faith by declaring, Because Christ our Redeemer said that it was truly his body that was offered, offering under the species of bread, it has always been the conviction of the Church of God, and this Holy Council now declares again, that by the consecration of the bread and wine, there takes place a change of the whole substance of the bread into the substance of the body of Christ our Lord, and of the whole substance of the wine, into the substance of his blood. This change the Holy Catholic Church 
has fittingly and properly called transubstantiation. That sort of philosophical term indicating a change of substance. Right? These days, it's not uncommon to hear people say the Mass is boring. But when I think about that, that's got to be just about one of the most insulting things we could ever say to Jesus. When Jesus Christ is really present here, in a way, space and time are kind of folded. Mass brings us right there to the foot of the cross where Jesus offered his life for us. We are seated with the apostles at the Last Supper. And that's boring? (laughs) No. In fact, countless people have given their lives just for the chance to be at the Mass. I think especially of the 49 martyrs of Abitain, who when they were arrested for celebrating Mass during the reign of the Emperor Diocletian, this is like in the 4th century, Diocletian had declared Christian worship illegal. He asked or demanded that all of the Christian scriptures in the the empire, the Roman Empire, that they be destroyed. So these 49 martyrs, they were caught breaking the law, celebrating Mass. They had snuck together into a home to have Mass, their priest there, and they were caught. One of them responded when asked why they broke the law, These words are beautiful. They said, we cannot live without meeting on Sunday to celebrate the Eucharist. We would not have the strength to face the daily difficulties and not succumb. They're called martyrs because they were executed for their devotion to the Eucharist. They chose death over life without the Eucharist. I think, too, of the French Revolution in 1700s in France, where religious and priests were being executed in large numbers. There were courageous Catholic families who would smuggle priests into their homes and then secretly, because they were risking their lives if they got caught, inviting their Catholic neighbors to come into their home where they quietly celebrated Mass. They risked their lives for the Eucharist. This happened Again, in in England, after Henry VIII, there was persecution of Catholics. They constructed their homes, some of the wealthy people, so they would have, like they call it a priest hole, a place to hide the priest if the authorities came knocking. Even today, Catholics in China and the Middle East, they risk their lives to come to Mass. Yet we take it for granted. You know, what, 26%? of young people don't even believe it's the real presence of Jesus. Something like, oh, I, I don't have this stat written down, but it's like 70-some percent of, of people, uh, when they grow up in the Catholic faith, they leave by age 23. 70-some percent. That's terrible. They walk away from Jesus. They think it's boring. But like I say, Catholics in China, the Middle East, they risk their lives to, take, to attend Mass. Um, but we shouldn't take this for granted because we might not be able to in the future. Just this week, the U.S. Catholic bishops reported that here in the United States, just since May of 2020, there have been at least 101 acts of 
vandalism and arson against Catholic churches in 29 states. Our nation's leaders and our culture in general are becoming more and more hostile to the faith every day. The devil hates the Eucharist, and he hates our devotion to it. He hates the Catholic Church with a vengeance. He wants us to think Mass is boring, that it's just a symbol, that we can go do something else on our Sunday. He tempts us to walk away from the Catholic Church for something more maybe entertaining or welcoming. But sitting at the foot of the cross, that's not something entertaining. This is the church that Jesus Christ himself founded. And it is the church where he himself still resides. As Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI once put it in a homily, if I remember correctly. I've quoted this before. It may sound familiar. But he wrote, God is not the great unknown whom we but dimly conceive. We need not fear, as heathens do, that he might be capricious and bloodthirsty or too far away and too great to hear men. He is there, and we always know where we can find him, where he allows himself to be found and is waiting for us. Today, this should once more sink into our hearts. God is near. God knows us. God is waiting for us in Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Let us not leave him waiting in vain. Let us not, through distraction and lethargy, pass by the greatest and most important thing life offers us. This sacred proximity to us is always alive in the churches. It is always calling us and inviting us in. This is what is lovely about Catholic churches, that within them there is, as it were, always worship, because the Eucharistic presence of the Lord dwells always within them. So there, in that golden box, which, in case you don't remember, is called the tabernacle, we keep the Holy Eucharist, Jesus Christ himself. This is why that candle's always burning next to it, to remind us that Jesus is always there. That's why I constantly encourage people to come and visit the church any time during the day. God is here. And during Mass, even more, even greater, if we are properly disposed, meaning not in a state of mortal sin at the time, receiving Holy Communion into our very bodies is an immense benefit to us. For a time after Holy Communion, Jesus is as physically close to us as he was to his mother Mary when he was within her womb. And that, as I say, if we're properly disposed, is a great benefit to us. The Catechism summarizes the effects of worthily receiving Holy Communion by saying this, Communion with the body and blood of Christ increases the communicant's union with the Lord, forgives his venial sins, and preserves him from grave sins. Since receiving the sacrament strengthens the bond of charity between the communicant and Christ, It also reinforces the unity of the church as the mystical body of Christ. As I said, it's the Eucharist that holds the Catholic Church together. We should all seek this communion with our Lord. 
Now, I know there's a lot of people, though, out there that are in a state where they can't yet worthily receive communion. And I just pray that you'll find the courage and strength to rectify that situation. And I pray that we may all better understand, appreciate, and always more worthily receive Holy Communion. Amen.